My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I'm poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax, it has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircles me, they pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display, people stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. But you, Lord, do not be far from me, you are my strength, come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. The reading is from the book of John, chapter 19, starting at the second half of verse 16 through to verse 42. The crucifixion of Jesus. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus... They took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. 
Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that said, they divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. The Death of Jesus Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony And his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And, as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was the disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus bought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Thanks be to God. At the uh, 1908 London Olympics, at the end of one of the first Olympic marathon races, an Italian 
called Durando Pietri entered the stadium in White City. He collapsed five times before the officials helped him over the line, almost unconscious. Sadly, because he had been helped, uh, he was disqualified from the gold medal. But this was a man with a purpose to finish the task that he had been set. Just under 100 years later, the, 20, uh, the 2004 Athens Olympics, uh, British gold medal hopeful Paula Radcliffe pulled out of the marathon after 23 miles. I had a decision you may remember split the nation. Some said she should have at least finished the race. And others said, well, her mission had been to win, and she could not accept anything less. Well, to say it is finished can mean two quite different things. It can mean, on the one hand, I can go on no longer. I'm finished. Or it can mean I have finished, I have achieved what I set out to do. And the reading we had from Psalm 22 earlier, which pointed to the cross, started with a sense of despair. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Words which Jesus uttered on the cross, expressing his abandonment, his separation from the Father that he knew was necessary if the world was to be saved. It was because God loved the world that he sent his son to save the world. But these last words of Jesus recorded in this passage in John 19 uh, are not a cry of despair. It is not, I am finished, I can take no more. It is not an expression of weakness that demands our sympathy. It's not an expression of relief that his sufferings are about to be over, although I'm sure it would have been a great relief. But instead, it is a cry of victory, a cry which causes great celebrations in heaven. It is finished. I've achieved what I came to do. So what exactly is Jesus referring to when he says it is finished? What has been accomplished? Well, before we take the Lord's Supper together on this special day, let's look at this passage, at what Jesus finished and what he achieved for us. Jesus finished his mission, which was to do the will of the Father. Jesus' whole life was pointing to this moment. When the angels appeared to the shepherds in the field, they said, today in the town of David, a saviour has been born. Already Jesus' mission was made clear in that description. And so as he grew up, he would have known that his whole life was pointing to this moment on the cross. And we see the shadow of the cross throughout uh, uh, John's Gospel in chapter 1 when John the Baptist uh, sees Jesus coming towards him. He says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When Jesus' mother at the, uh, the wedding in Cana um, tells him that the wine has run out, he replies, Dear woman, why do you involve me? My time or my hour has not yet come. He knew that there was an hour to which his life was pointing, but at that moment it hadn't come. In chapter 4, Jesus says in response to the disciples' offer of food, he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. 
And when Jesus arrives in Jerusalem for the final week of his life, he says in chapter 12, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, those well-known words made it clear that his hour was imminent. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And here on the cross, Jesus now is saying, your will has been done. It is finished. I have done what I came to do, what you sent me to do. As we've seen in the last couple of weeks, in the previous passages describing his arrest and trial, Jesus is in command of the situation right up to the end. Jesus lays down his life. He gives it up. As it says in verse 30, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He was obedient to death. What a sacrifice. But the events pointing to this final moment didn't just begin with the birth of Jesus and what he told the disciples would happen. It began way back in the the Old Testament when God's messengers, the prophets, proclaimed to his people that uh, he would one day send the Messiah, a descendant of David, a suffering servant, but also a servant king who would rescue them. Jesus' whole life in the Old Testament was prophesied, his virgin birth, the the place of his birth, his escape to and return from Egypt right to the end when he triumphantly entered Jerusalem on a donkey and was cheered as a king. To the tragic conclusion of that week when he was despised and rejected, when he was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. And last week, uh, Wellesley focused on three of the fulfillments of Scripture mentioned in this passage that we had read. The fact that they divided his clothes and cast lots for his garments. Not one of his bones was broken. And his hands and feet were pierced. All predicted centuries before and all fulfilled to the letter. And another one is mentioned here in verse 28. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. To fulfill scripture was to fulfill the the will of the Father. Jesus knew what fulfilling the will of the Father would mean. He knew the scriptures that said in in Psalm 22 that we had read for us, my strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Jesus could have avoided arrest and death at any time, but as he said to Peter in the garden, as he drew his sword to protect his master, he said, shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? That is what I'm here for. That is why I came. So that we don't need to drink that cup. And what these references to the fulfillment of Scripture show are that these are not random events. These are all happening because God ordained that they would happen. And Jesus ensured that they would happen just as his Father had ordained. He remained in control throughout that earlier drink he was offered was, was meant to be a sedative, an ancient uh, day painkiller. But Jesus didn't want his senses to be dulled. 
He wanted to remain in control. And so as he cries out now, I am thirsty, and a sponge is soaked in wine vinegar and put on a stalk of a hyssop plant and carried to Jesus' lips, he knows that in taking that drink, he's taking it not to quench his, his thirst or to dull his senses, but in order to fulfill the scriptures. Psalm 69, which says, they put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. And that's the prelude to his last words that he utters here recorded. It is finished. Jesus finished his mission in fulfilling the Old Testament scriptures. He fulfilled the will of the Father. But what exactly was that will and what did that achieve for us? Well, Jesus redeemed us from sin. He saved us from eternal thirst. Ever since the, the fall, humankind has been alienated from God as a result of sin. We became slaves to sin. But it was always God's plan. It was the will of the Father to redeem us, to buy us back. There was a cost attached to that. Payment had to be made for the debt of sin to be wiped out. And that payment was the death of Jesus. He took on himself the punishment that was due to every human being. And in so doing, he eliminated our debt. So when he cried out, it is finished. What he was also saying was the price is paid. It is paid in full. In the words of our first hymn, there was no other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. Just how big a cost was that for Jesus? Well, the clue comes in those, those words, I am thirsty. That theme of thirst is used often in the Bible for, for spiritual longing. And in Psalm 42, it says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God. And what is happening on the cross as Jesus utters these words, I am thirsty, is not just a human thirst, not just a fulfillment of the scriptures, but a thirst for his Father. The problem was for Jesus was that having from eternity always been with the Father, there'd never been a time when they were not together. And even when Jesus gave up his heavenly glory and came to, to earth and lived the life of a man, he still maintained that intimacy with the Father. But to take the punishment for the sins of mankind, to bear the Father's wrath, meant he would be separated from the Father. There is such a unity and oneness between them, and it's that unity that makes the separation so painful. The pain of separation tends, as we know, to be all the more severe, depending on how well, how long you've known someone. And in the case of the son, now to be separated from the father, the pain was even more severe. He's yearning for him with an incredible thirst. But Jesus was prepared to go through this terrible suffering, this thirsting for the father, so that we wouldn't need to. 
He became separated from the Father in order that we can be reconciled to the Father. Jesus knew that the agony of being separated from the Father is the eternal agony that people will experience if they reject God. Because hell is depicted as a place of thirst, the the eternal thirst of being excluded from God's presence, the thirst of never being satisfied. And it's because Jesus was prepared to suffer that terrible thirst for us that we don't need to be thirsty. That our spiritual thirst is quenched for eternity. As we read in John uh, John 7, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Jesus knows where your heart is, where you're trying to find satisfaction and maybe where it's not in him, where you're trying to quench your thirst, maybe through the wrong things. Then he's grieving over you. He longs for you to drink from the source of eternal life. And so the last invitation in the Bible, Revelation 22 says, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. One of the blessings of the Lord's Supper as we drink physically of this wine, we are reminded that we are drinking spiritually of the Lord Jesus. And we're reminded that we don't need to thirst for anything or anyone else. We don't need to keep going back for our thirst to be quenched. He provides us with full satisfaction. So if you have had your spiritual thirst satisfied by the Lord Jesus Christ, if you believe that by his death you have been made right with God, then you're invited now to come And join with us in this supper, trusting that by his death, Jesus has quenched that thirst forever. If you've never done that before, then why not today? Good Friday, 2018. Accept that what Jesus achieved on the cross was for you. And receive the free gift of the water of life.